Welcome to episode four, Kubernetes Center of Excellence. Got my good friend, Chase here with Susan. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Hey, hey. Why don't you tell us, uh, for our listening audience, tell us a little bit about you since you're new to the pod. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. Uh, really excited to just kind of chat and, you know, break it down. Um, so I am a sales engineer at SUSE. I'm dedicated to the channel. So really what that means is I'm responsible for, you know, coordinating with Shattersoft, a bunch of other partners, and kind of just building our relationship, understanding how we can blend our go to markets, really kind of showing the value that we can bring customers jointly, right? So I kind of travel around the country sit down at our partners' offices and really just kind of understand the challenges that they address, try and figure out if SUSE can help add more value there. Gotcha. And so for us, you know, obviously we work together um, all the time as we're, you know, a SUSE partner. So, and you, you're lucky enough to be assigned to us. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, So, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you guys have had some pretty major announcements um, about how you're going to help customers in new ways going into 2023. So one of those announcements was around Rancher Prime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think one of one of our one of our main jobs is is a uh, as an integrator, as a partner is to continue to educate customers on changes in roadmap um, additional functionality, um, what's coming next. Right. So I think, I think this is a really positive change and, you know, we want to make sure we get the, the messaging out, um, to the user base and to those that are current customers and prospect customers that, you know, this change was made with them in mind. So I'd like to jump in and have you kind of explain maybe the high level of Rancher Prime and what what the decision making was around that and what how that impacts the customer in a good way cool awesome um so yeah i appreciate that and i think definitely the direction of kind of the rancher ecosystem and focusing deeper on you know adding value through compliance is is a good vector for us to focus on uh so i think it helps kind of understanding maybe the past couple years in the it landscape and kind of help helping unpack it that way right so you know in the past maybe two years, uh, we've had multiple government organizations breached, right? Whether that's, uh, you know, a pipeline, water plants, NSA, uh, you know, major tech companies, major automotive companies. And these are, you know, these are typically supply chain attacks, right? They're bits of technology that these organizations implement and utilize in their software stack, right? And as organizations are trans are transferring from these monolithic applications and utilizing more microservices what's happening is that's almost expanding the amount of ways that an organization can be breached right and so as these supply chain attacks become more prevalent and these breaches become more public and kind of more consequential i guess right everything's getting connected through clouds all these services are talking to each other and we're seeing both IT organizations and, you know, federal government bodies alike, kind of shifting the focus of security left in the software development lifecycle, right? And so I would say that's the first takeaway for Rancher Prime, is that organizations will have the option of deploying the actual source code from Rancher 
from our secure vetted repository instead of a public repository somewhere like GitHub, right? Right. And so, and so this is great because, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are moving to Kubernetes and Kubernetes brings a ton of value to the table, but it also brings a ton of complexity and increased risk to the table. And that means that regulated industries are extremely slow to adopt this new technology, right? Right. And this this is exactly addressing that. This is this is ensuring that multiple people have recorded and documented a process that they have vetted the source code to ensure no breaches, no vulnerabilities, that kind of all of the microservices that make up this product are vetted by the SUSE team and secure. And so I yeah, guess so that's like a quick overview. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I think it's um you know, this is <clears throat> this is something that we're seeing. You know, like like open source focused companies are oddly enough going through big transformations themselves <clears throat> because mm-hmm. the world is changing. Absolutely. So when you look at when you look at compliance and security, it's it looks different year to year, maybe month to month. You know, but <clears throat> we're probably not tracking at that level, you and I, but. But as a, as a, as a, as a global thing, right. There's just, there's, there's lots of risks. There's lots of attack vectors. So, you know, I've seen this with, um, you know, my good friends over at Isinga, like they've, they're like a pure play open source, um, focused organization. And all they do historically is they provide support around the things they build. Well, customers needs are changing. So that, you know, they made a huge change a couple of years ago. It's kind of similar to what you guys are doing, which is really cool, is that you guys are so open source focused. And it's like, it's amazing, right? You're you're the OG of open source. And the, the needs of the customers, like we love the idea of the open source development, but also they need cool stuff. They need more. They don't they don't just need access to software. Like they need that value you talk about. So we need to be thinking about what are things customers need and make that available to them, which I think is what to me, you know, as a external, you know, rancher prime looks like a move like that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think that, I mean, I I like that we're accountable to an open source community, right? Um, Selfishly, because I like the fact that that means that we need to listen to the direction that let's just stick with Kubernetes is is flowing in. And if organizations are looking for stateful block storage or, you know, uh, OPA policies built with WebAssembly, things like this are are a direction that we have to listen to and implement to kind of retain our relevancy in the market. And this this direction of kind of layering in additional value while not holding back features and functionalities, right? Still utilizing this this massive open source community project, right? Tons of people, tons of light of code, tons of innovation, but also adding the value as you alluded to that actual enterprises are looking for beyond just features, right? Additional security assurances, understanding that a roadmap is going to protect them and secure against this kind of rapidly advancing landscape that we're facing today. Right. Right. 
No, that makes sense. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thin line to walk. Right. And I, I think, yeah. I think you guys have done it. Uh, you've done it very well. Um, I know that was a, a big thing when, when I was working with our friends that I sing around that is like, they're so focused on the community, the community's needs. And they didn't want to upset the community, but there's also, there's also things that need to be built that cost time and money. And, uh, you know, so they, they did a similar thing where they, you know, they didn't go open core, right? I don't think that's the intention. <laughs> right. Open yep. core gets a bad name in the community, right? And it's exactly, you know, and I, and I think it is, it is a really, really thin line, you know, like there's, we're going to be building stuff that you're going to need. And, you know, that's, that's for customers. And a lot of times it comes to like how you put things together. So like, you know, with, with our, with my friends that I sing, they basically were like, Hey, you can use our stuff on anything, but if you want packages for enterprise software, um, you gotta pay for that. Right. You want packages for community distributions of Linux? It's all free. You can have it. Yeah. So I think I, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Right. Well, and I think, I think you're alluding to something that's, that's pretty cool is, you know, there's a ton of innovation that is articulated in features and functionalities that comes from an open source community. Right. Um, and that, and that really is, that's, that's our saving grace, right. Is being so open that we're cutting and bleeding edge that we're implementing things, testing things out all the time, you know, trying to trailblaze the edge with lightweight Kubernetes distributions and self provisioning operating systems, just trying to, and that's all, you know, a benefit of an open source communities approach, right? But there's, there's a whole nother world that inherently that community doesn't really care about, such as like compliance and security right. certifications, right? That all amounts to documentation, extra work, um, kind of like these stringent standards, not, it's not creative work. Right. And, and that's exactly where the value of prime comes in is there's a ton of this kind of like not so compelling work that needs to be done in order to bring Kubernetes into regulated production ready environments. Right. And so that's exactly right. what prime is focused on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, I mean, that's a great point. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot of the enterprisey things aren't, um, designed to be cool and, creative it's meant to solve problems <laughs> so right. um that innovation still stays within the community it's still available i mean you know look at like what you guys would did with new vector right like new vector was closed source it's not anymore <laughs> so it's for sure you know yeah, that, and, and like cool i think that shows that the intent too yeah and well and so that goes a little bit deeper too because not only did we open source it but we donated the patents to an open source patent foundation Right. So it's, it's multiple layers of giving back to the community. And if we're talking about new vector and kind of the technology that it uses, right. Is so just to really quickly recap, new vector can build security policies based on the actual behavior of an application. So, you know, gone are the days of a human putting in firewall rules that are prone to error or becoming out of date, right. Bad code. Um, now we can kind of secure applications based on the actual ports that they're using, the actual directories that they're, you know, accessing to do their job and nothing more than that. Right. And so if we think about kind of that approach and we think about 
security and where we're at now and kind of where we need to be. Um, you know, there's a ton of CVs in the wild. There's a ton of vulnerabilities that are un unaddressed just everywhere in everything all the time. And eventually one pops up like Log4J, right? right? And it's just this piece of software that's ingrained into everything, whether it's mom and pop IT shops and restaurants to massive government organizations, you know, and, and th this is indicative to the entire problem. It's this reactive problem where, you know, we're scanning a system, hoping an alarm doesn't go off. And then when an alarm goes off, we are reactive to it and we try and fix it, hope that someone else has dealt with this problem, right? Right. And so I think that new vector is really cool because it tries to get ahead of that. It tries to kind of define the application behavior. And then even if something's breached and, you know, a new vulnerability is released, if that application behavior is defined, then we, that technology itself can protect that software from that vulnerability, even though there's no patch for it. And so if we look at the greater, the bigger picture, right, that's cool. Like that's, that's a cool approach. That's cool technology and it's open source, right? Like hopefully that changes the world in that context. Hopefully that changes the entire approach from being reactive and getting breached and trying to fix it to proactive and protecting ourselves against all of these breaches before they happen. Right. So yeah. awesome move, you know, I mean, from an open source advocate, super stoked that we did that for sure. No, that's very cool. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're out there evangelizing new vector, uh, to clients and, uh, you know, there's, there's really not, not much out there like it at all. So it's, uh, it's a cool challenge yeah. to have. <laughs> it's a cool, it's a cool, yeah, well, it's a cool piece of technology. It, you know, I mean, it's interoperable, right? So it's not just something that works with Rancher. It works with vanilla Kubernetes, the clouds, you know, any really enterprise Kubernetes management platform. Uh, and it solves real issues, right? And the cool thing is from a sales engineering standpoint and from my previous life in the sales standpoint, that's a cool demo. Right. Like we live in a digital age where everyone's kind of talking on screens and maybe not even showing themselves and just you're, you're trying to follow their mouse around. And you're almost getting a demo that you could have gotten on YouTube or from right. just going through it yourself. Right. And so the the first look at New Vector is cool. Right. It kind of breaks the paradigm of how. IT sysadmins know how computers work. Right. I mean, if you're root, you can do anything. No, not anymore, right? If you're root, you can do what that application is allowed to do. And that's cool. Like that immediately just stops everyone. It's like, oh, no way. That, yeah, that's cool. I haven't yeah. seen that before, <laughs> right? And that's cool, right? It's, it's just fun to talk about. For sure. No, it's a, it's a good time. Anybody out there wants a new vector demo, Chase and I are happy to do it. Absolutely. And by, <laughs> by me and Chase, I mean, Chase, I'll just smile. <laughs> Cool. So one of the other things that's upcoming with um, the release of Prime is this concept called Salsa. And um, I just learned about this, you know, probably a couple months ago. So Chase, can you just kind of give us a high level of why that matters and um, why that's being, you know, included in Prime when it's ready? Um, this, is, this is something in development. Right. So yep. just to make sure that uh, we state that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we have this this increasing layer of of compliance coming, right? And and you you can have two perspectives on it, right? You can look at it like it's extra work uh, and busy work and documentation. I, I'm the other side, right? I focus a lot on kind of supply chain security, these threats, the way that this is all evolving, and I don't know. Salsa to me seems like the bit of regulation that's akin to like, okay, well, if you're going to run electric through a building, you need a grounding plug, right? It's right. kind of that same base layer. And, you know, so there, there's a couple different places that the supply chain can be attacked, right? And the source is one of them, the actual build, the pieces of applications that go into them later, right? And the dependencies as well are all these different kind of parts. And this is exactly what Salsa addresses is Salsa mandates these strong security measures and documentation kind of guidelines for all of these different parts of this kind of software supply chain to address where these threats are coming from. And so it's kind of what I alluded to at the very beginning, right? I mean, with 60 something percent of IT organizations surveyed in 2021 getting breached and you know, I mean, I think the number is like 80 something by 2025 is prone to be breached. Uh, we need some assurance and kind of strong security measures for these control systems that we're interfacing with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so I, I actually put this in front of one of our lead engineers and uh, I was like, what do you know about this? You know, and he looked over and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is. This is super relevant. And he spends a lot of his time um, building pipelines and like integrating software. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is such a big challenge in our, our world at Shadowsoft because we're focused on open technology. So when you're building software, these bits and pieces of software are coming from all different kinds of places. And that's, and that creates a ve an attack vector that nobody was really thinking about. So some of the most, I guess, elegant attacks that we've seen in the last couple of years have come out of this, this challenge. Mm -hmm. of like there's, you know, your core software that you're writing might be, might be good, right? Because you have these standards, you have these rigorous standards, but if you're integrating with something else that lives somewhere else that somebody else has built, you may not be looking at that with the same eye, right? So yep. it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because we're building a framework for how to do things safer, which is pretty much what all the security frameworks end up being. So, you know, like for sure. I spent some time selling into the, uh, the department of fence back in the day. And, um, you know, if you've ever spent any time there, all they do is talk about the risk management framework or the RMF. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I, I do this. I do this just for fun. I meet someone who works in government IT and I go, oh, the RMF and they roll their eyes and they throw their hands up. <laughs> and it's it's become a bigger challenge of just the RMF than what it actually solves for. So it's it's interesting as we see these new new challenges and we build these security frameworks, it'll it'll be great to see if it solves for mm -hmm. all of it or if it solves for some of it. Because sometimes solving for all of it is more of a chore than getting hacked <laughs> sometimes yeah well you, you bring up a good point right is like these have to stand the test of time and actually 
make something happen, right? Right. Um, I like salsa. It, it kind of alludes to that buzzword that I said earlier, right? But it's – we've mentioned it a couple times, but – I mean, really, it's kind of it's it's shift left, right? It's proactive versus reactive. But I like it in terms of kind of the context that you put it in, because it's no longer just a a, a repository, a local repository of code building up an application, right? It's it's sometimes hundreds of little different parts that are building that up, and reactively, that is so much work to secure after the fact. Absolutely. That inher- inherently gaps are going to pop up, right? Especially if it's a human that's kept in charge of that diligence, then you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just too much work to guarantee that it happens, knowing human nature, right? And so I like this approach to ensuring from the get go that the pieces are compliant, so that the IT team doesn't have to get tasked with that on top of just keeping the actual application running and serving their clients. Right. Right. No, that, that, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know, that you got to pick where you're going to do your work. You're going to do it on the For front sure. end where you can plan it, or you're going to do it when the, you know, the whole thing's on fire. For sure. I don't, absolutely. I don't, think, I don't think anybody loves that. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick little break back in cool. a second. Shadowsoft, a leading Kubernetes systems integrator, is excited to announce the launch of Kubernetes Academy, a free online education platform to teach the skills needed to become proficient in Kubernetes. The Shadowsoft Kubernetes Academy platform offers courses and resources for learners of all levels, from beginners just starting to learn about containerization to experienced professionals looking to dive deeper into the intricacies of Kubernetes. Kubernetes Academy is now available at academy.shadowsoft.com. Start learning today and join the thousands of IT professionals already on the path to becoming Kubernetes experts. Shadowsoft helps you make optimal possible. All right, and we're back. So last topic of the day. So Chase, you know, explained his background, but, you know, lightly in the last section said that, you know, he started in sales, which I think is really cool. Um, I lean a little bit more sales. Uh, I don't probably represent much like a salesperson, but, um, <laughs> you know, you, Chase, you've gone through kind of an interesting transition to where, you know, you're, you're working with technical people at customers and prospects, um, but have this background where you've also carried a bag. So curious to hear a little bit about your journey and like maybe how you approach solving problems for customers. Um, and maybe, you know, we can share back and forth of what that looks like, because I think my, the way I approach customers looks a little different than maybe uh, enterprise sales yeah, folks in general. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so my path is definitely interesting. Um, I always get that reaction of like, oh, wow, you're, you're now a sales engineer, right? You're a sales guy before. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I was successful in that role, but I would say... I wasn't doing it the way that most organizations want, right? I was I was talking too much tech. Uh, I wasn't talking these conceptual, open-ended questions that were focusing on pain and budget, right? Um, and so I think naturally kind of the sales engineer role was a good transition for me, right? Because I get to still evangelize the product and talk about it. And as you can tell, I like to talk. Um, <laughs> but But at the same point, you know, 
I get to actually focus on kind of the challenge that we're solving articulated in the technology, right? And I think that enterprise sales has taken an interesting approach, right? Um, it's, especially if you're talking about selling support for an open source product, right? It just tends to be quite a journey. Um, and I definitely tend to focus more on, you know, focusing on the actual challenges that organizations are facing. That's why I went into this job, right? Um, it was really to focus on kind of this new area of innovation and technology and understanding, you know, kind of these these large scale issues that are holding organizations back, right? Such as, you know, compliance or even just like managing containers or Linux operating systems and kind of the, the layers of complexity that build from that, you know? Um, so definitely love to talk about the technology a little bit too much. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, na natural segue into the sales engineer role. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, you know, I, um, I come from an operations background, so you know, I didn't start my career selling. I started my career administrating things and working on efficiency and like more on the business side. So mm -hmm. for me, when I transitioned into sales, um, which I would lightly describe today, um, I'm interested in, in like solving challenges and solving challenges might not be having a sales development rep, you know, send 12 emails to a contact about here's, here's some things that we can solve for you. Right. Like it's, I think the, the enterprise sales motion is, it's probably doomed for some big change over the next couple of years because Definitely. I think people are, people are buying things differently, you know, especially mm -hmm. in open source, right? This has been going on for probably five or six years. Customers know what they want before they talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. They may yeah, have some is, questions, is, <laughs> but, you know, they have a feel. I think you just touched on kind of the issue, right, is that a lot of enterprise sales teams think that they know best about the direction of another IT organization, right? And instead of listening and having a candid, honest discussion about whether there's room to partner together to solve issues, sometimes the focus is just kind of closing the sale, right? And, yeah. and you're right. And you're right. I think the paradigm's changing. Um, I think that's one thing that Rancher Labs did really well in the very beginning is they took it this, this adoption-led strategy, right? Instead of pitching everyone to use this management plane, they just streamlined IT developers and operations lives by introducing RKE. Right. And so instead of right. spending an entire day setting up a Kubernetes cluster, you can just kind of get the minutiae out of the way and then start playing around where you actually need to focus to do your job. Right. And I think that is really indicative to the direction that the entire kind of sales life cycle is going to go. And you alluded to it, right, is by the time an organization is speaking to a salesperson about rancher, there's a good chance that they've already looked at it. They've already, they know what they want and understanding that and helping define exactly the value that they see in it, applying to their specific issues, I think is really kind of the path forward versus just trying to focus on this list of features and functionalities and how it is just great no matter what.
right? I think that there's a more yeah. targeted approach that it's going to take to be successful. For sure. And, you know, we at Shadowsoft spend 80% of our time working with customers around Kubernetes. You know what? You know what customer I've never had? The one that's like, hey, we're starting new with Kubernetes. <laughs> Like yeah, you're either doing sure. it or not. And 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 we intersect people in that maybe that life cycle of around Kubernetes specifically when they're already running. Maybe, maybe poorly, mm -hmm. but they're running, right? And so these decisions are being made when we're not in the room. And I think that's probably like the big messaging I would say for salespeople is that like we're probably not winning the hearts and minds. Um through how great our offerings are. We win hearts for and sure. minds by saying, we have, a, we have a solution for your challenge today. And when we build some credibility, we can go and we get to know that organization. We get to go, here's the thing we see down the road that might be of use to you in your planning. Here's some insight we've seen from maybe other experiences with other customers. It mm -hmm. becomes an insight-driven discussion opposed to, Hey, buy my stuff. And I think, I think that wears people out. You know, it would wear me out. I get, I get 15 emails a day trying to sell something to me because uh, I still, I still have this business operations part of my role in the company. <laughs> Everyone wants to get me on a new payroll system. All the payroll yeah, people out there. I love ADP. Stop calling. Me. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know, I think you touch on it, right? Um, there are, a million vendors reaching out to everyone about this massive landscape of technology, right? Uh, and it's it's really easy to just be another vendor. It's harder and much more impactful and valuable to an organization to position yourself as a partner, right? And of course, sure. right, like salesy buzzwords, but I, I think that that is really the approach, right? Is it's understanding that we can help organizations address issues right off the bat via open source technology and be here to support them later on when they need it. Right. Um, right. I, th I think that closing features and functionalities off and needing to pay a company in order to vet whether a technology works correctly for your challenges is a dying go to market. Right. And I think that m more and more, I think that we'll see kind of open source approach take over as IT organizations are already kind of knowledged in a lot of this and they need to kick the tires before taking up their valuable time a little bit. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Chase, that was, that was great. Lots of fun. Hey, thanks um, for having me. Yeah. Hopefully insightful for the listeners. And, um, again, thanks for coming on and, uh, and uh, this will drop in a couple of days. So I know, I know we, awesome. we don't do this. We don't do this automatically. It has to go <laughs> to someone. They they edit it. They make me sound better. Um, Chase <laughs> sounds great. So it doesn't matter. But anyway, thanks for the time, man. And I uh, look forward to talking again. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Thanks again. <laughs>